Hello and welcome to this episode of Irreligiosophy, the one true podcast. I'm Chuck Morrison, and this is Leighton Allred. Uh, last I checked, anyway. Uh, exciting. Um, before we get into the podcast, we have had um, an amazing amount of reviews. Yeah, we've just had like two. the last week. We've had like two reviews in the last week. It's amazing. Unprecedented. In fact, uh, I would hazard a guess that we have moved from four listeners to six. Oh my god. We had four reviews in the last week alone. Nope, nope. I'm still sticking with six. <laughs> six listeners. Uh, one of them uh, by Brad the Astronomer. I think your podcast is a breath of fresh air. Five stars. How about that? He, he makes us feel better because he says, it takes a podcast a good couple of years to catch on, so hang in there. Thanks. Thanks. Thanks <laughs> very much. That. Uh, it's basically we suck. But we'll get better, we yeah. promise. Yeah, we're working on it. Uh, fantastic podcast by uh, Seth Crownover. Five stars. Truly funny, insightful podcast. Casters are quite funny. How about that? I don't think he knows what he's talking about. I want... <laughs> the next one by BZ Mahar. Uh, I want to finger Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder where he got that from. <laughs> that was from Leighton. <laughs> Uh, and the last one, Very White and Delights, and this is on August 5th by Double A in St. Louis. This podcast is great. Now, I've, uh, I've been often curious, what exactly do you think Double A means? I don't know. No. Uh, my favorite um, name on the review has been the Enjoyable Informative Review on June 24th um, by 6541985. Who names their kid a phone number anyway? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he's a Borg. God, that's going to be hard to sign your checks. Boy, I, I love your name, dude. I don't care what Charlie says. <laughs> <laughs> it's my favorite review. All right, so uh, very, very exciting. Very exciting. We're gaining listeners and, and probably losing them at just the same rate. So the overall yeah. net gain is uh, we may have one or two. Yeah. But I love reading those reviews, so keep them coming. Yeah, they're hilarious. I love it when you guys tie in parts of the show that we've done into the actual review. Oh, um, one of my all-time favorite reviews... Right, actually, uh, my favorite review so far is uh, from a blog uh, called Liberté, Egalité, Trivialité. Uh, a girl uh, on a post August 3rd living in Utah, she says, Ooh, and another thing, my good friend Rebel Girl recently introduced me to the Religiosity Podcast. This is a pretty decent podcast on atheism and religion uh, with an emphasis on archaeology, Middle Eastern history, and Mormonism. I'll be honest, sometimes the host can be a bit grating. But on the whole, it's a very solid podcast with lots of good info. And obviously, she's referencing Leighton there. Um, no, I don't no. think I've ever been grading. This has been a big argument between Charlie and I as to which one of us is more grading. Look, because we all know I'm much more personable than Charlie You've is. been grading for years. Yes. So I don't know um, how you can pin that on me. Greenish Blue is obviously a very uh, astute judge of character. You, you know what? I'm sorry. In order to solve this issue... I am going to contact you, Greenish Blue, and I would like you to come on our show and tell the world which one of us is more grating. And I say we lay a wager on here as to which one of us is more grating. Yeah, come on and um, uh, let us know that Leighton's more grating. Uh, or Charlie, for that matter. <laughs> Once you see the goatee this man wears, you will realize he's more grating. Uh, you can't see a goatee on a podcast. She's going to see it. Well, maybe You're inviting her over to our house. Wow, that's... that's... <laughs> That's somewhat creepy. That's a little creepy. A little creepy. Didn't mean for it to go that way, Greenish Blue. Please forgive it. All right, our podcast today. Um, this is a uh, this is a subject that is near and dear to my heart. I've been role playing uh, since probably about the seventh grade when I convinced my parents that not all role playing games were satanic. Um, let me play at least a superhero role playing game. They they bought me DC Heroes role playing game for. Um, Christmas one year because I was a big comic nerd, uh, 
Still am, I guess. Yeah, you still are. Um, and then after that, I played uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, um, played Team Fantasy. I kind of had to sneak that one in because that was kind of a cultish. Um, <laughs> uh, Gamma World, I think, Top Secret, Heroes Unlimited, um, Warhammer, lots and lots of uh, role-playing games. And, you know, if you can find a good group, role-playing and playing role-playing games fine. The, the problem is finding a good group. I mean, last time we walked into, was it in Arizona when we walked into that comic yeah, shop? They yeah. had a big table. Uh, of role players uh, in the middle and so I kind of hung out while I was looking at comics and so did I I kind of sat behind <laughs> yeah. them so I could listen what they were role playing and the dungeon masters going alright you guys are in a store and uh, there are various um, objects you know a rusty sword uh, there's a fork over here uh, but right in the middle uh, surrounded by candles is a potion of invisibility and <laughs> <laughs> you remember this I and do, they go oh, I don't know do they have any armor he goes no um just you a look, rusty sword, a <laughs> fork, and an invisibility spell. You look around the portion of invisibility, and you see no armor. Is there anything you want to buy? And the girl goes, oh, I don't know. Do they have any scrolls? Because <laughs> there aren't any scrolls. Because <laughs> yeah. the other girl was <laughs> chewing dice and spitting them out on the table. Yes, that was the freakish thing. She was actually putting them in her mouth and then spitting them. That was yeah, how that she was rolled her dice. That was her, her lucky dice. method of rolling. But I wanted to lean over and say, look, if the dungeon master tells you that there's a potion of invisibility. For some reason, it has something to do with the storyline. You to, should buy it. Buy it. You're going to need it later. Oh, God, that was hilarious to stand behind. Now, curiously enough, we've all, we all know that my father pretty much raised me in a boot camp of religion. Yeah, this is bizarre. My parents totally thought that all role-playing games were satanic, right? Yeah. This was in early 80s about, um, where they were, you know, this was all over. There were TV movies, news about how horrible this is, Satan-worshipping baby killers play role-playing games in Dungeons and & Dragons. Yep. Um, my parents, who weren't as religious... Uh, said, no, you can't do it. Completely against it. Layton's dad. Mine, I was raised on this stuff <laughs> from infancy. I remember my dad had a stack of the original editions of Dungeons & Dragons on his shelf. I played role-playing games with my dad at the age, the earliest I can remember, I was six, sitting around playing Dungeons & Dragons with my father. Amazing. They got me over. Layton's brother, Troy, got me over to play games. He goes, you got to play with my dad. It's so fun. It's fantastic. And so I'd get over there. Um. <laughs> now, uh, in, my, in my defense, before Charlie begins this story, I was a young child. Charlie is actually 10 years older than me. So I was a young child and did not know any different. Okay, now that I've right. set that disclaimer, continue. I, I was probably, you know, 13, 14, you know, 7th, 8th grade. Uh, and so I, I sit down and, and literally, this is how it went. He got a stack of papers... <laughs> And began reading six handwritten single line pages, and I don't know. We were floating in a ship or something, and uh, <laughs> through space, I think maybe it was spell jammers that we were playing. Yeah. Floating in a pirate ship through space, um, we uh, got hit by a meteor shower or, or comets or something, asteroids, uh, and we were forced to land on a planet. And then, um, of course, there was a large castle. My God, I was playing in that role-playing game You remember with this? You. I remember yeah. this. I don't doubt it. That would make me about 16 then. 
Yeah. Uh, that's a little embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so, no, the embarrassing part is that you and I are actually writing our own role-playing yeah, game. That's uh, pretty embarrassing. You had to mention that, didn't you? Ouch! Um, that's, we're truly establishing our geek credentials here. Yes, yes. So we crash in front of this castle, and what do we do? Well, we go into the castle, of course. Of course. What else do you do when you crash in front of a castle? <laughs> First room, we're surrounded by kobolds. <laughs> so we get our little lead pieces... And he puts six kobolds around my lead piece. They right? just appear. And and then he puts six more around Leighton, six more around Troy's. And we're all just waiting here, being surrounded. And I said, all right, I attack uh, uh, with my sword. He goes, well, you haven't drawn it yet. I'm like, God, all right, I draw my sword. He goes, good, Leighton, what are you doing? I'm like, what? Yeah. It takes me an entire round to draw my sword. Meanwhile, all six of them are attacking me. They they can plant themselves and attack at the same time. They just time. magically appear and attack, but it takes us a full round to draw our weapons. Oh, God. So we, we got out of that room. We went into the next one. Six more kobolds surround us. Yeah. Um, this was it, it went on. precedent. It went on for about four hours exactly like that. Now, should I point out that I was about the age of six, and I was still able to keep up with this role-playing game that my dad was putting up? Yeah, uh, and I remember I was a druid, so I had my only weapon, I think, was it a staff, maybe? Staff, probably. Staff, probably. It's been years uh, I yeah, it was probably 20 years ago. Um, and, but I did have a familiar, and uh, I wanted to heal the familiar, my little familiar ferret, I think I had. <laughs> and he got wounded in battle from the kobolds, <laughs> so I wanted to heal him. Oh, that poor ferret. And, uh, <laughs> uh, Leighton's dad turns and he goes, because he was a, not only Dungeon Master, he was also playing in the game. And he tells me, if you waste a healing spell on that ferret, I will kill you. <laughs> that was my dad's character, not the Dungeon Master, by the way. <laughs> so, um, I, did, I never really liked Dungeons & Dragons. I like more um, interpersonal, where you you know problem solve, you, you try to talk your way out of situations, yeah, that sort of thing. It's more fun that way. Um, combat's pretty boring, um, and, and pretty much all it was was combat. And to this day, your, dad's still, your dad, your uncle... They still play they the still same play way. That. In fact, my uncle goes over to my cousin's house, his younger son, both of them named Jeffs, and they go over to his house on Saturdays, and they will actually start playing between 9 and 10 o'clock in the morning, and from what I hear from the wife, who I don't think enjoys playing but plays along just because her husband does, she has said that there have been times where they have played until 5 or 6 o'clock the next morning. Wow. Now, that is some serious dedication to Dungeons & Dragons. That's impressive, um, especially to that flavor of Dungeons & Dragons. That is essentially a glorified war game. I mean, that's how role-playing games came out. There are these sets of rules where you'd move your army, they'd move theirs, and, and it was, um, you know, you'd roll the dice, and, and part of these guys would die. So um, when your dad was uh, getting involved in it, when it first came out, I think it first came out in 1972. Yeah, he um, was definitely one of the first. Yeah, it was a supplement to a war game. Um, and then it kind of gradually uh, took off and expanded. And so I think he probably plays more toward the role-playing or the, the, the war game type than the actual role-playing where you get into a role and pretend. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. In fact, uh, I remember playing once with my uncle. I was probably 13 or 14 at this time. And I remember we were storming a castle, and I was trying to break through a door and I sat there for 45 minutes to an hour trying to break through that door. And finally, I got so bored that I was just staring off into space, and he kept having to remind me that it was my turn. 
<laughs> yeah, that kind of stuff is excruciating. It really, it's painful. And I remember um, we were playing one of these games with your dad, and we, we ended up killing a bunch of people. And we, we had amassed such a loot that we had, like, wagons behind us. And then we got attacked again, and I said, hey, instead of attacking us, why don't you just take this wagon full of loot and <laughs> leave us alone? They wouldn't do it. They attacked us. And, of course, they all died, right? So I thought, yeah. more loot for the wagon. Um, now, truth be told, after Dungeons & Dragons, I, like Charlie, uh, moved... You like me? That wasn't exactly... <laughs> <laughs> I've always known. <laughs> well, you know, you're the one that's teaching me my gay tendencies. He's had a little so, crush on me yeah, for a long well, time. You know, you are cute. You did teach me how to spork, so... <laughs> but I just I, like Charlie. I, comma, comma like Charlie. Like Charlie, comma, there we go. <laughs> moved on. To more thought-based role-playing games. In fact, uh, how I actually became friends with Charlie is my brother Sean was leaving for the military or something like that. and That, that left open a space, and like I said before, it is really hard to find even semi-normal people who play role-playing games. Uh, so needless to say, Charlie was a little wary about me showing up to play this game. But as I recall, I actually got a pretty good compliment from Charlie because... He looked over at Cammy later that night and said, wow, that guy's pretty funny. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was the first time, really. That, because before then, you were so small, you couldn't really, we didn't really play any games with you, right? Yeah, yeah you didn't realize how sarcastic I really was. Right. <laughs> There's a 10-year gap between our ages. Yeah. Um, so when I started, yeah, you were literally like six years old. Um, so yeah, he came over and played. One of the guys we played with was named Lyle, and oh, his Lyle. his um, idea of uh, a deep thought was, I want to travel not at the speed of light, not faster than the speed of light. I want to travel at the speed of thought. And I said, what? Speed of thought? Um, are you talking about like the saltatory conduction of the action potential that travels down the nerve? Because that's nowhere near the speed of light. He goes, no. I want to think about someplace. And instantly be there. <laughs> now, to give you an idea... That's the speed of thought. That's that's the speed of thought. And Lyle, a little background on Lyle. This guy inherited a lot of money from an aunt and drove around a nice car, spent all of his time just pretty much living inside of a software store, software game store, and he still lived in the basement of his mother's house. Total cliche role player. Total, Total cliche. Total cliche. I mean, we're talking, he was what, 27, 28 at that time? Yeah. A, a nice Chester Molester mustache to go along uh, with it. Speaking of Chester Molester, do you remember Rick? Oh, Rick. <laughs> oh, God. Rick, Rick came over and played. He had a Chester Molester mustache. He, um, he was probably 22 or 20. He was older than I was, and I was in college. Um, I remember playing a role-playing <laughs> game over at my apartment, and he came, um, and 10 minutes into it, uh, his he, he steps out. He goes, I, "Guys, I got to take a break." And well, come on, we just started this. We haven't even rolled any dice yet. Sorry, I got I got to take a break. So he goes into the kitchen, picks up the phone, and we kind of sneak around. The dude is calling his mom, and the conversation. I'm not kidding you. This is dead went like serious. This. Uh come on, mom. Can I stay a little while longer? Oh, mom, please. All right. <laughs> he hangs up the phone until he's got to go home, and he's a, he's the ride for everybody. So that was our ten minute role playing game session. Yeah, that that is an amazing story. 20, he had to be twenty three. Curiously enough, my favorite time of role playing with Charlie was when my brother flew back from, I believe, Alaska, 
we were getting together and we were having a giant war, so it was basically pitting our characters against my brother's characters who was trying to storm the castle, and it was pretty much a mind of wit, or a game of wits, where we were trying to, um, <laughs> shut up, my tongue got tied, shut up. I'm not even going to comment on that one. <laughs> a game of wits, and I recall my brother's ex-wife sitting there as all of us are screaming out our strategies, and she's sitting there looking around going, will somebody tell me what to do? Could somebody please tell me what to do? What do I do? Just go back to knitting. That's all she ever did. She just sat in the corner and knitted. Um, yeah, that was, uh, we, I mean, we had a lot of fun. This is um, clearly different than the um, picture that's portrayed in these uh, Christian attacks against role-playing. Yes, completely different. Um, it was basically a social gathering. We would get together, we'd talk, we'd joke. Uh, Make the, pizza, sit around. Yeah, uh, the game was really just a, uh, an excuse to get, around, get together and kind of... Shoot the shit. Just talk. Yeah. Joke. Joke around. Enjoy each other's company. some stress by just yeah. making fun of each other. Yeah, that was fourth year medical school. Um, and that was pretty fun. We, we would role play for maybe a couple hours, three tops. And then we'd go and we'd play racquetball. And your brother, we've got this great uh, <laughs> tape on film. Yes. We, we've actually recorded him playing racquetball, smacking himself in the forehead with a racket. Now, the best part about that film is he actually tried to tell us that he was running for the wall and he put up his racket and the racket hit the wall and hit him in the yep. forehead. And then we took the video back to Charlie's place, rewound it several times to show him hitting himself in the face with his own racket. And then we rounded it a few more times and played it in slow motion. <laughs> I wonder why we did that. <laughs> awesome. Um, yeah, those were good times. Um, the, this would have been, I was fourth year medical school, 97, 98. Yeah. This is about 10 years ago. Uh, since then... Um, we haven't played a whole lot. Uh, we are. We actually started writing a role playing game. We've kind of shifted more toward Halloween stuff now. Yeah, um, we'll get into that later. We're about yeah. We're about halfway done with that role playing game. You know, it's it's fun. Um, it's good and not only harmless, but I think it's beneficial. It does relieve stress. It helps teach children um, problem solving skills, the ability to talk in a group. Um, uh, I think I don't think there are any downsides to it, other than the fact that if you just play amongst yourselves, you um, reinforce all of your nerdy behavior. Yeah, <laughs> you don't have a check on that. If you're in a group of nerds and you hang out all the time, there's no check on your nerdy behavior. Yeah, there's no one to say, "Hey, you guys are being dorks." You're not going to really learn too many social tendencies from locking yourself up. Little did we know, <laughs> the real problem is you're opening the door to Satan and allowing demons yes. to fly in your ass. <laughs> I mean, that's what they're saying. That's right? exactly what they're saying. And, I mean, you got the chick tracks going on about it. You have article after article going on about this. And it's just amazingly hilarious. I, what kills me, what absolutely kills me, is that there was ever a furor about this at all. It just shows what insulated world these evangelical Christians live in. That anything that's outside of this world uh, will throw them into a tizzy. They, they will get the vapors. You know, um, heaven forbid you take a uh, book home, hardcover book, that has a little picture of a, a red demon on the front, right? Yeah. Isn't that the monster's manual? Yeah, I think that's Like a it. cauldron and a red demon on the front. Yeah, I remember that. Something about a wizard sitting there, the demon yeah. curling He's around He's casting a spell or something. Yeah. And, you know, they faint. Oh, my God, this is instructing my child in, in Satanism. Um, and it, it, it is kind of an easy target because of all this stuff, all this stuff, but really... You know, when we got into it, the closest we ever got to, like, Ouija board stuff or, or, or 
demonic stuff was when we played um, Beyond the Supernatural, Palladium role-playing game. Never played that in all honesty. Uh, and it was kind of like a Call of Cthulhu type thing where you get around. It's in, you know, set against a, a backdrop of the paranormal. And you um, go and you investigate hauntings. It's actually kind of a fun role-playing game except for the limitations of the Palladium system. Um, <laughs> it was actually pretty fun. But for the most part, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, you're playing like a, a ferret or a cheetah. Now that you know, I did, I really something. enjoyed Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. It was good. That was fun. It's the farthest thing from demonic possession I can think of. Now, curiously enough, I think the reason why these religious people have such a difficult time with this is they're standing on the outside and they don't realize that those of us who have played or do still play role-playing games know the difference between reality and what we are doing on the game. That is a distinction that is a little bit difficult to make. Right. And it's always there when you're in the game. You have a character sheet in front of you. It's got a list of stats for your character. You have a bunch of dice. You're very aware. The game is fantasy. Your reality is there are a bunch of fat people sitting around the table <laughs> rolling dice every Sucking once in a while. down large vats of right? soda. Yeah, a whole bunch of nerds. Um, what we needed at that time was a nerd Moses. <laughs> Let my people go. Yeah, Let them be nerds. And part the waters of <laughs> hatred. Pharaoh, quit oppressing my nerd population. <laughs> Let them roll their dice if they want to spit it out. <laughs> diversity. In the name of diversity, for God's sake, oh, someone spit God. out their dice. Um, the people, I think, who have a, a problem... Distinguishing between fantasy and reality, the LARPers, the live-action role-playing people who dress up in their costumes, they make little foam swords, and they go smack people with them. <laughs> I, I don't think I've ever told you, but I've actually been to a LARP play. You what? <laughs> yes, I, I went and I LARP played. You've LARPed? I have LARPed. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> that has just thrown your geek quotient through the roof. Excuse me? You are far <clears throat> bigger nerd than I ever was. No, no, I'm sorry. No, oh no. my god, you've LARPed. I have LARPed. <laughs> no, wait, 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 wait. I have to explain why I have You LARPed. might as well dress up in a Confederate soldier suit and go uh, reenact Civil War no, no, no. <laughs> scenarios. Now, excuse me, all of those from the South who Charlie is making fun of, I have dated a Southern woman, and you guys are cherry. You're, you're on tops. What? Shut up. They still believe in slavery. I'm okay with that. <laughs> Have you seen the quality of women? I they forgot are that, nice. I forgot that you enslaved your adopted children. Well, that was kind of the point of adopting them. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, anyway. Let's get back to you LARPing. All right, all right. Back to me LARPing. So, basically, my cousin and a girl I was uh, somewhat interested in at the time invited me out. They said, you know what? My friends and I were going to go play some role-playing games. Would you like to come? So I drove over. They all loaded into the back of my truck. We drove up to this uh, this. Park. Did the fact that three of them were dressed as orcs clue you in at all? It didn't until we got there. <laughs> <laughs> so we get to this park. Did you ask why they're wearing Spock ears? Actually, they, I didn't realize it. I just thought they were just dressing up to role play. But it was a vampires and like werewolves game and things like that. <laughs> So they're dressed up with full bodices. We're talking like 13th century bodices. Yeah. And they climbed into the truck, and I'm looking at them, and they had play swords, play knives, things like that. And they had. They didn't tell you? They said we were going to play role playing games. I had no idea what we were going to do. They just said they needed a ride up to the park. You didn't feel uh, slightly underdressed? 
Jeans or were you a, wearing a leather corset? I was wearing jeans and a t-shirt. <laughs> Shut up, you ass. <laughs> Hang on a second. Let me get my latex and my rubber boots. <laughs> oh, it's that kind of role playing. <laughs> Hold on. I got to drive back home. <laughs> Give me a minute. So we get to this park, and they actually brought me a cloak. So I could wrap a cloak around and be dressed up with Excellent. No, fake teeth? They had fake teeth. Okay. I, I was a lycanthrope, so I would change you between know. human and... You're yeah. hairy enough as it is. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, if you've seen my chest, you could make a rug out of it. Unbelievable. <laughs> so we get to this park, and they hand me a sheet, which has my character on it, and they tell me that I am to memorize all of my weaknesses and strengths, and that I am to play to those weaknesses and strengths. So I'm like, all right, and basically my character was stealth. Now, the one good thing I, I had growing up is I grew up in the mountains, and what we did for fun is we would sneak up on campers and poke them, steal their food, and pretty much just generally harass them in the middle of the night. So I'm pretty good at sneaking around. And I remember at one point during this thing, they are hunting me because I'm the werewolf, and I'm belly crawling through a bunch of leaves to get away from them, and two of them stop with th within three feet of me. Charlie, I can see you shaking your head. <laughs> I'm astounded. I'm absolutely yeah. astounded. They come up, and within two feet, they actually stop LARP playing and go, Wow, this Leighton guy is really good. We can't find him worth spitting on. Maybe he really is a lycanthrope. I was expecting that, but I am not kidding you. This, this was role-playing to a whole new level. I mean, this is serious, serious role-playing. They take it seriously. So, did you gain any experience? Uh, of that, I can't remember. The most I can remember is one of when one of the characters had a tantrum when his spell didn't work on another one of the people playing there, and they got into a half-hour argument before one of them stomped away and threw a tantrum and wouldn't play for about an hour. <laughs> this, this episode... Went on for about four to five hours. I can't remember clearly. Four to five hours being in this park with people walking by with dogs watching as they're LARP playing. That's impressive. That is impressive. I take back all the nice things I said about role playing. The Christians are right. Yes, yes. They, Christians are right. It leads to devil. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, let's get into... Uh, the the grist, all this stuff that the Christians don't like about role-playing. Now that we've kind of set it up about how totally normal putting <laughs> fake teeth in cloaks are and hunting each other are, uh, yes, yes. how could anyone possibly think that this is a satanic activity? Now, personally, I think this is going to be the perfect podcast for our honorary number 13 and a half uh, listener because Katie actually goes around and collects chick publications and we are going to be citing some of his publications. Oh, Jack Chick. I love Jack Chick. Yeah. Now, truthfully, I have not ever run across Jack Chick until just this last week when Charlie introduced me to him. And I love this guy. He is brilliant beyond brilliant, but I don't think he realizes that because he's serious about it. He is absolutely fantastic. I ran across him in college when they were actually handing out Chick tracks. There was one on evolution. Um... There was one. He has a classic trope about the professor who's um, a total arrogant atheist and the nice young Christian who just wants to love people and he's just standing up for his beliefs. Totally um, kicks his ass and he ends up quitting the university um, and you know not believing in evolution anymore. 
Um, that's in there. Uh, there's a, a hilarious one about Mormons we're going to have to do on a, on a future podcast. Uh, but this one's, this one's great. Um, it's called Dark Dungeons, and it's about a witch who um, ensnares young people into the occult through the uh, training ground of Dungeons and Dragons. Now, my favorite thing about this is the witch is also the dungeon master, and she is always wearing a black cloak. Don't you think that would have that's, at least tipped them off that she was a, a real witch? A dead giveaway. Yeah. <laughs> You're not a normal dungeon master, are you? <laughs> so, you know, they, these kids are, are playing around, and, and uh, uh, someone casts a spell of light, and it blinds the monster. And then the witch says... The thief, Blackleaf, did not find the poison trap, and I declare her dead. You know, and I often did this um, in role-playing games. I'd just say, hey, you're dead. Yeah. yeah <laughs> what very... about the saving throw? What happened to rolling some dice? <laughs> very conducive to Charlie having a lot of people come back to continue playing exactly. with him. Because he constantly killed off their characters. Hey, you. You pissed me off. A lightning yeah. bolt flies out of the sky and kills you. No saving throw. You're dead. Yeah, you're just dead. Well, this, this rattles this poor Marcy. Yeah, so much so that she is freaking out. She says, no, not Blackleaf. No, no, I'm going to die. Don't make me quit the game. Please don't. Somebody save me. You can't do this. And, that happened routinely oh, also. Yeah, yeah. And we get the true hero of this. Marcy, get out of here. You're dead. You don't exist anymore. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. She's a perfect... Um, Perfect uh, example example of uh, the normal Christian. All right, yes. so, Debbie, your cleric has been raised to the eighth level. I think it's time that you learn how to really cast spells. You mean you're going to teach me how to have the real power underlined and bolded? <laughs> <laughs> so in the next panel, the intense occult training through D&D prepared Debbie to accept the invitation to enter a witch's coven. And haven't you actually been to a witch's coven? yes. Was it anything like this pentagram and a bunch of hoods and cloaks and a table with a candle on it? No. No. In fact, my neighbor, he's a Wiccan priest. And in fact, a few times we've sat down and we've discussed Wiccan beliefs back and forth. And uh, yeah, he's never tried to convert me. Well, he's never invited you to a Dungeon Dragon session either. That's very true. However, you the first... You may not be Satan material. You not, may not be what Satan's looking for in his army. I got to admit, the first Wiccan priest did invite me to one of their rituals because he was convincing me at the time that Mormonism was a cult and he wanted to prove to me that Wiccan was better. And at that point, I saw a fat naked woman and ran away screaming from the entire thing. So, <laughs> you weren't convinced, is that what you're saying? No, especially when this, uh, this woman looked around and said, now that we're done with the ritual, I would like to point out that there are hot water springs and clothing is optional Wink, wink. She actually yeah. said that. Yeah. Um, she said wink, wink. She said wink, wink. <clears throat> Less than 30 seconds later, there was a little... You know those cartoons where the roadrunner runs through and there's like an outline <laughs> through the wall? Of their... <laughs> that was late. Yeah, that was about right. <laughs> I gotta go. <laughs> uh, trail of smoke behind it. <laughs> All right. Um, Mrs. Frost, this is fantastic. This, ga this makes the game real. It's not a fantasy anymore. Last night I cast my first spell. This is real power. Um, and which, which spell did you cast, Debbie? Oh, I love this. Uh, I used the mind-bonded spell on my father. He was trying to stop me from playing D&D. <gasps> what was the result? He just bought me $200 worth of new D&D figures and manuals. 
It was great. Um, I, I often cast the mind bondage spell, but not on my father. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, uh, knowing Charlie and his latent homosexual desires, I'm pretty sure he did cast it on his father. My, my proclivities? Yes. <laughs> so, um, Marcy's on the phone. Uh, she wanted to talk to you. You know, she's really upset. But she, Debbie says she can't because she's fighting the zombie. When do you ever fight one zombie? And why is she sitting there by herself at a table <laughs> with no dungeon master fighting a zombie? The dungeon master's on the phone. She's over there rolling dice. Oh, okay. That makes sense. All right. So she walks in to see her. Um, Marcy has hung herself. She's hung herself. And it says, it's my fault Blackleaf died. I can't face life. Well, it was. She should have checked for the poison trap. Now, I would like to point out that in Charlie's game, one of my characters did die. He was botulism, and uh, I created a new character. His name was Anthrax, son of botulism. A <laughs> <laughs> oh, little game humor there. Yeah. Um, don't be stupid, Debbie. Um, I think you'd better let Elfstar take care of things. I don't want to be Elfstar anymore. I want to be Debbie. So she goes to see a Christian. Um, very, very handsome, charismatic, well-parted-haired Christian. He's wearing like a varsity letters jacket. Um, I'd do him. Yeah. Uh, in the butt, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so he invites her to go to, um, a, a, like, a, I guess if it was Mormonism, it would be a fireside. But these guys are giving sermons or something. Yeah, a big sermon about how you must repent, and it's only through Jesus. And this guy, he is the sermon giver. He is actually a recovering D&D occultist. Yep, I've met a lot of those. I, I go to D&D Anonymous every once in a while. Uh, you know, just to get yourself leveled. Made it through my... Eight-step program. Step, <laughs> <laughs> Whatever many steps. Uh, you who are involved in the occult think you have achieved power. Well, they can cast spells, for God's sake. Yeah, obviously. Her dad bought her 200 bucks. Why would you give that up? I don't see any priests casting any mind-bonded spells. I mean, that's pretty cool. Yeah. He goes, but you have been trapped in a dungeon of bondage. <laughs> Jack Chick's got a one-track mind here. Yeah, he really does. Uh, I see a lot of leather-wearing <laughs> people out there in the audience he's drawn. Dungeon of bondage. <laughs> God. Yes. Jesus sets us free from the bondage. See, I don't want to be set free from the bondage. That's not attractive. Yeah, it, it's much better when you're tied up. Uh, then according to Acts 19.19, 19, you should gather up all your occult paraphernalia, like your rock music, occult books, charms, Dungeons and Dragons material. Don't throw them away. Burn them. We'll do that here tonight. And this is my favorite thing, as he finally saves, what's her name, Betty? Debbie. Close enough. Elfstar. <laughs> and in the very last image you have betty standing there staring at this giant ball of fire and it says thank you lord for setting me free and you see the actual sermon giver hands apart praising this fire yeah, silhouetted against the fire there's nothing like a good old-fashioned christian book burning no as far as i knew christians just burned crosses but obviously oh, i was wrong <laughs> oh god <laughs> Ooh, is that too soon? Too soon? You're talking about me insulting the South? <laughs> Jesus. Hey, I can throw a little jibes here. <laughs> All right, so we got a couple of other... You know, what What happened here, basically, was that Dungeons & Dragons um, uh, started in the 70s based on uh, war games um, and kind of mushroomed out and, and attracted national attention in the late 70s, I think, when this kid committed suicide, um, you know who I'm talking about? Yeah, Irving Bink Poling. Yeah, well, that's 
His middle name was Bink? His middle name was Bink. His first name was Irving. You don't need to go any farther than that. Um, I know why he killed himself. (laughs) (laughs) Irving Bink pulling. 1982. Um, And that caused his mother, Patricia Pulling, uh, to organize Bad, which is bothered about Dungeons and Dragons. Wow. Great name. Bink had been depressed after he was unable to find a manager to handle his campaign for election to school council. Um, Well, it was either that or... His thief named Blackleaf got killed by the witch dungeon master. Well, actually, actually, Bink was a disturbed young man who had a fancy for Hitler and displayed, I quote, lycanthropic tendencies. <laughs> what the hell? According to Pat Poling, his mother. Um, so, what, was he hairy? Uh, obviously, he would turn into a wolf what do you every have? once in a while. What does that mean, lycanthropic tendencies? I have no idea, but that's according to his mother. Unfortunately, his mother, mother, <laughs> his mother, <laughs> his mother kept a loaded gun in that house that he was able to access. He used it to commit suicide, um, and, and she was convinced that his death had been triggered by her, the son's involvement with Dungeons and Dragons. And she actually filed a lawsuit against his teacher because she said, and uh, she had a two-week course um, in being a private yeah. investigator. So, so after this intense two-week course, she launched her own investigation and discovered that. His teacher had placed a curse on Bink during a game. Now, she said the curse was he had to kill somebody. Unable to break the curse, her heroic son killed himself so he wouldn't harm anybody else. Which, you know, (laughs) rings true because he admired Adolf Hitler. Yes, yes. Miss certainly, um, not only, you know, he didn't harm anybody but himself. Of course, in the end, he had to kill himself to get away. So he just skipped killing all the Jews and went straight to blowing his head off. (laughs) (laughs) So he... In fact, Irving, you are my hero. You have just saved the lives of six, thousands Six million millions. Jews and probably ten million Russians. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we could have seen World War Three because of Mr. Yeah. Irving Bink. Yeah. Bink's probably a badass. And with a name like Bink, you either die quickly or you're able to fight off all the people yeah. who make fun of you. Either that or when you do fight, the other person walks away knowing they've been in a fight. Yeah. Either that or he curled up in the corner and cried, as would... <laughs> Be my guess as to why he killed himself. <laughs> he, <laughs> he was depressed because he couldn't find a manager to handle his school election campaign. <laughs> Not only does he have no friends, no one wants to manage his campaign either. That that's that's pretty. Yeah, bad. Don't, did that two week course in uh, private investigation ever point you towards finding out why your son was depressed? What? Why your son was such a dork? And why he had lycanthropic tendencies? <laughs> <laughs> so these these are t- I mean there were TV movies there were um, uh, all kinds of after school specials about this. Don't involve your kids in Satanism. It's wonderful. Yeah. Um, so you've got a, another kid who committed suicide, right? Yeah. Now this guy. I I gotta love this guy. His mother's name is Beatrice, and she posted this on a board on August 1st, 2001. And she's going on and on about how sad it is that she walked into Billy's room, found him hung in his closet, and what he had done is he had stacked a bunch of books together, and on the very top were two books that she did not recognize. So she picked up these books and read them. One was the Dungeons and Dragons 3rd Edition Player's Handbook. The other was the 3rd Edition Dungeon Master's Guide. And because of those two books at the very top of the pile that he killed himself on, she has determined that it was 
that that killed him. Now, I'm not kidding you. we got to post this article because you start reading this, and this woman is the most controlling woman I have ever come across. I mean, I can guarantee you why this boy killed himself. She's talking about how she paid attention to how much he slept, who his friends were, what he did at every moment of the day. Yeah, I'd kill myself, too. I would, too. In fact, I love how she says, like all cults, Dungeons has its charismatic leader, yeah, a bald mustached man named Peter D. Atkinson. <laughs> Read his biography, as it's the first step all Dungeons adherents must undertake when joining the cult. Uh, this is the first time I've heard of him. Yeah. Um, but, you know, they, I didn't join the cult of Dungeons & Dragons. Um, uh, playing with your dad was more than enough yeah. for me. I just love that she calls this bald, mustached man Very charismatic. a charismatic leader. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sure a lot of bald, charismatic men with mustaches are, are yeah. Once, once you've recognized Dungeons for the Cult it is, it's your job to spot the warning signs. Now, let me, we're going to give you the three warning signs and let me know These if any of you have had teenagers if this maybe raises a flag. Does your child spend excessive amounts of time with friends unsupervised indoors? Um, yes, but you should refer to our Mormon masturbation <laughs> podcast to find out why that is. Or video games. I mean, they play video games all the time, unsupervised indoors. Yeah. Um, does he question the rules and commands you lay down as a parent? No. No, no child would ever do that. No, no. Just That's your child because he was in Dungeons and Dragons and used that to send himself <laughs> to the hereafter. All right, now this one's my favorite. Are his grades slipping of late? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, are you serious? Are you, are you trying to tell me most teenagers out there don't let their grades slip because they would rather do something fun than sit around doing their homework? Well, you don't understand. Dungeons is highly addictive, and if left unchecked, can push a child's entire life aside to make room for more dungeons. Now, it's just like crack. Now, my favorite thing is right after she lists these warning signs, her next statement is, at this point, you should be thinking... How do I talk to my kids about dungeons? <laughs> well, uh, I would refer you to the bondage section of Jack Chick's tracks. <laughs> <laughs> now, the great thing is, is, she actually has, if your son or child or girl, as, and we all know that most women, even the recluses, don't really go towards Dungeons & Dragons. So we'll just say, if your son... Yeah, uh, having a... Having a girl play a role-playing games, um, Dungeons and Dragons fairly rare. They tend to like more the um, storytelling games, like the uh, Vampire, the, the Masquerade. Vampire, the Masquerade. Yeah. But anyway, I mean, these are the three things she says your your son is going to throw at you. But Dungeons has helped me to make lasting friendships. And what you say is, with those nerds, <laughs> get out into the real world. Yeah, I like that. All right, all right. Here's the next one. But Dungeons helps develop my imagination. That's that's probably true. Yeah, uh, yeah. What does she say about that? Uh, imagine has its place in civilized society, but when its citizens become too far removed from reality, social upheaval inevitably follows. Oh, God. Yeah. Uh, okay. Um, Last one. But Dungeons gives me a sense of belonging. Again, nerds. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, dude, find a hobby. That's, that's a low bar. Yeah. Um, you're you're role-playing with a group of nerds, um, who doesn't belong in a group? Of, the only people who don't belong are popular kids. <laughs> <laughs> We're talking adolescence here. Everybody's trying to belong somewhere, sure. and it's difficult to even find that, that area to belong. But anyway, let's continue beyond this. Yeah, so, I mean, this brings up the point because the first the first attacks on role-playing is really uh, role-playing games cause suicides, right? Yeah. Um, 
but you know what what happens typically with this is that you get a few highly publicized cases and people think wow uh it's rampant yeah <clears throat> but if you actually look at the numbers like michael stackpole did he's a role-playing game writer um he actually looked at the numbers took bad uh statistics himself four million gamers and based on the average suicide rate of that age group there should be that you know bad things there are four million gamers around the world i'd be Really impressed if there are four million gamers. <laughs> but if there are four million gamers, the average rate suicide rate ought to be five hundred, yeah. and the actual suicide rate is seven a year. Um, so actually, there may be some protective effect. <laughs> yeah, well, you got to figure. Um, we're all nerds, and we need a place to feel like we belong. Otherwise, we will be locked up in our own room right. I mean, and kill ourselves. Basically, if life hasn't crushed the nerd by high school. <laughs> <laughs> He's developed coping yeah, skills. He's going to survive a long time. <laughs> uh, so the next um, attack on it was basically that it is, like Jack Chick said, it's an introduction to the occult, basically. It's a yeah. stairway to hell. It opens gates to Satanism. It's a training ground. Uh, just absolutely fantastic. There's one of the guys, William Schnobelin. Did yeah. we talk about him already? No, we haven't talked about him, but he actually wrote an article, Straight Talk on Dungeons and Dragons. Like, at this point, it's been like 18 years almost. And then 12 years later, he wrote another article called Should a Christian Play Dungeons and Dragons? Yeah, so the first article, um, there are a couple of paragraphs that are just absolutely hilarious. Uh, he says, now the question becomes... If a person innocently works an authentic ritual that conjures up a demon. <laughs> <laughs> that happened all the time God. when I was playing. We're playing role-playing games. Demons are popping up left and right, wanting to play the role-playing game. We had to say no. Get your hands off my Cheetos. Get back into the depths of hell in your infernal regions. It was actually, it really kind of pissed me off after a while. Yeah, yeah. It just really no. slows down your fantasy <laughs> game. No Beelzebub. We're busy here. Excuse me. Uh, whip crack went your frumpy trail. <laughs> <laughs> um, so if they innocently work an authentic ritual that conjures up a demon or curses someone, thinking that they are only playing a game, might not the ritual still have efficacy? I think we know the answer to that question. If you play it shooting your friend in the head with what you think is an unloaded pistol and don't know a shell is in the chamber, is your friend any less dead because you are playing? Now, something that goes along with that is actually something he puts in his I, second I would, article. I would answer oh, this. Go. If it's a pretend bullet, yes, he is less dead. Yes. Just like your son running around the playground going bang, bang. Do you, do you really think? <laughs> <laughs> Just because the people playing D&D think they're playing a game doesn't mean that the evil spirits, who are very real, will regard it as a game. If you're doing rituals or saying spells that invite them into your life, then they will come. Believe me. We've prayed with enough people our age and younger who are former D&D fans, and they were totally in bondage to it. There's that word again. Bondage. They love bondage. These guys are sick and twisted. Now, we should preface this that William actually states that he played Dungeons & Dragons from 1970 to 1980. So we're talking, excuse me, 10 years. 10 years. 10 years of role-playing. Clearly he didn't play with your dad. No. Uh, this no. Brings it would have to... killed him in the first place. <laughs> <laughs> this brings us to other unsavory aspects of the game. One pro D&D psychologist wrote that there is, quote, a hard, hardly a game in which the players do not indulge in murder, arson, torture, rape, or highway robbery. And that's true. <laughs> <laughs> that's very true. That is true. What's the problem? <laughs> I failed your to point? see the problem. Yeah. Now, the interesting thing is, is you bring up psychologists. Now, in his second article, this is an exact quote. Now, many understand that role-playing originated formally as a psychological tool. 
Most counselors and psychologists, including this writer, have used role-playing as a powerful way to transform human behavior and thought. The fantasy component is the second part of the equation. In a way, this is the most problematic part. So basically, because you're role-playing in this game, it's the same exact thing as role-playing with a psychiatrist. Yes, that, that is problematic. Now, my favorite thing is that this guy starts talking about the magic and how in Dungeons and Dragons it's kind of a neutral power that's just kind of floating out there that you can control. Like guns don't kill people, people kill people. Yeah. Now this is another exact quote. Obviously the God of the Bible is not the source of magic in any form. What are you Only talking about? Yeah. About parting the Red Sea. Exactly. About resurrecting the dead. That is exactly the sick. my point. You're telling me that when you sit down and you pray for God to heal the sick or to make something happen in your life, that that isn't in some way a casting of a spell? Because, I mean, you're praying to an imaginary is. figure, of course it waiting is. for something to happen. What's the difference? What are miracles other than God's magic? Now, this is great. He actually says, believe it or not, some spells can even revive the dead, mimicking the power of the Messiah himself. Christians may take small comfort in the fact that divine spells are better than arcane spells for reviving the dead. <laughs> please, please, what is your thought on that? Um, I, I wonder what his source of information is on this. Because I, I, I really want him to sit down and cast a spell. Look, if you want to curse me, you know, lay a curse on me. I invite you to lay a curse on me. Yeah, Give please. me the evil eye. Please, in fact... We ought to post some sort of contest. Cast a spell and kill Charlie or I, and we you will pay you can't do that, because if I die accidentally, they'll claim the uh, victory. That's, that's true. Okay. You have to curse me in a very specific and rare way. Boils around his penis. <laughs> Wait. <laughs> I like this idea. Let's have everybody cast boils on Charlie. You're assuming I don't already have boils on my penis. That's very true. Um, uh, that would explain that popping pussy. <laughs> Discharge. There, um, there should be a way that um, that I die that, that clearly will not have any. Uh, very, very rare. Some exotic disease. I'll have to look it up. But I'll yeah. choose. I'll, be, I'll tell you what. I'll choose the manner of my death. And you guys curse me. And if I die... In that manner, you know, we we'll should, give you money. We should both do that. That sounds like a fun contest to have here on Air Religiosity. But anyway, this actually kind of goes in with it. Now, his next argument is that people actually come to him and say, it's only a game, it's not real. And this is his statement to it. Defenders of D&D often complain that it is only a game. Playing chicken with cars is only a game until someone gets killed. So is Russian roulette. I am frequently told to get a life, or write about something more important than D&D, like social justice or world hunger. The devil would sure like that. Wouldn't he? Wouldn't Satan really like that? Yeah. He's got this great tool called D&D, and this guy is single-handedly tearing, it uh, tearing down. that down. Yeah. yeah, well, his next comment just had me rolling on the floor. Down through the ages, no institution has done more to help the poor, the orphans, and the starving then has the Church of Jesus Christ. Close enough. What about the Holy Wars? The Salem Witch Trials? The Inquisition? Um, those were all done in Christ's name. Uh, do you count that as helping the poor and the orphans? Those the people starving? weren't really Christians, Leighton. Oh, of course They not. were abusing the power that God had given them and acting against the interests of Christianity. 
Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, the great thing... Plus, Christianity didn't really exist until Joseph Smith... Um, oh yeah, that's uh, that's a good point. Uh, brought the in the last dispensation. In we all know that the Catholic Church restored, is the whore yeah, of abominations right. that is spoken of. Restored true Christianity in eighteen thirty. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, I mean, the great the greatest attack he gives as to the reason why is there's a defense that game players give that says there's no danger in playing D and D because its rituals are not based on real magic. Here is his rebuttal. Another contention often shared with me in email is that there is nothing like real magic in the game. People who say that evidently have a very limited understanding of magic. Any serious sorcerer will tell you that wait, magic... Wait, 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 Did you just say any serious sorcerer? That's exactly what I said. <laughs> <laughs> I have never met a serious sorcerer. I want to meet a serious sorcerer. Uh, I have a neighbor who's a serious sorcerer. Uh, excellent. Does he actually think he can cast spells? The dude is planting a garden out in front of the building, and he put that's paganistic for, Wiccan writ, er, signatures in it. It's that's the actual just for symbols. smoking marijuana. He's just making a weed garden. Yeah, I wish. Um, anyway, <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's continue. Any serious sorcerer will tell you that magic can be as baroque or simple as the magician him or herself wishes. Once again... This is all boys we're talking I'm about. I'm glad he's being politically correct. Yeah. Saying these magicians can be male or female. Yeah, right. Folk magic is usually pretty simple and rustic. Ceremonial magic can be very high church with robes, incense, and elaborate rites that can take weeks to complete. Witchcraft is somewhere in the middle. Depending on the tradition you are working in, finally, true hermetic magic involves little more than the human mind. Oh, God. I, you know... If these guys really think that magic exists, and they really think they can cast spells, and he thinks that it's actual reality, then I invite him to visit James Randi, do a double-blinded uh, trial, uh, demonstrate his magical power, and uh, get a million dollars. He can, you know, how much good can you do with a million dollars? He can donate to that to the church of his choice, help orphans, poor people, um, anything that he wants. Yeah. <clears throat> and he can use an atheist money to do it. What better... Uh, thing you asked for. Uh, but no, these guys never take him up on that. Well, of course they don't, because even though they spout this stuff, they have yet to see it for themselves, or to enact it, or I don't know. And so they know it's as much bullshit as us atheists do. Yeah, well, definitely. All right, well, let's bring it home. So basically, <clears throat> the threat of Dungeons... I think Dungeons, personally, Dungeons & Dragons and role-playing games have done the world a favor. They've taken nerds, which would otherwise be inflicting their nerdity out on the society at large, and they've brought them back into the home to inflict it on each other. Yeah. It's brought male and female nerds. It's given them Well, very social... limited female nerds. We're talking about a 1 in 20 ratio. But it's here. given them social outlets, because <laughs> the nerds never go to dances. So they've brought them social outlets where they can get together and reproduce. It's, it, it has enhanced... The survivability of the nerd species. Yes, and we need nerds to survive. Otherwise, where are we going to get our Star Wars movies from? Oh, right. Uh, who's going to populate NASA in the future? Yes, come on now. We need nerds. Who's going to fix our computers? Let the nerds play. <laughs> <laughs> now, one thing. I can tell you exactly why these Christians are completely against Dungeons & Dragons. Nerd discrimination. Well, among other things. But they are completely against it, and uh, this guy, uh, William, even brings it up, that 
there are multiple gods in Dungeons and Dragons. And so because of that, it is teaching them to worship many gods. And he even goes on to say that some of these game players come back and point out that their game masters play with only a single god. And here is his actual response. Of course, none of this matters from a biblical perspective. Many religions extol nobility and self-sacrifice and are monotheistic. Islam comes to mind. But these religions will take you to hell just as fast as any polytheistic mini-gods religion. Yeah. I got news for you. Um, Jesus <clears throat> uh, and monotheism, um, which didn't start with Jesus, by the way. It started with Akhenaten, the heretic Back pharaoh in, the in Egypt. Egypt. Monotheistic religions have been in the minority for um, the vast space of majority human of, history. of human history. Yeah. Um, uh, They've been polytheistic uh, for the vast majority of time. So uh, God apparently sat on his ass for uh, what? Human species is what? 180,000 years, years yeah. old. Sat on his ass for 178,000 of those uh, 180,000 years. Sat on his ass, not doing anything, and then said, Oh, here's what I'm going to do. I'll send Jesus down to a backwater country in Judea. I'll send Moses out. He'll kill a bunch of people. And um, then we'll, we'll save them all and, and bring them back with Jesus. I mean, it is an absolute stupid strategy for the so-called creator of the universe. Yeah. Now, if God really wanted us to come back to heaven with him, don't you think he would have sprouted up Christianity on every single continent where everybody was? Instead of just beginning in one small part of the world and then branching out from there? And that was even so late on in human history that it didn't even make or didn't even matter to the hundreds of thousands who died before. Right. What happened to all those people whose uh, mortal probation came and went without knowing about Jesus at all? Obviously, they're uh, burning in hell. He just stated it. Clearly, the solution is to get rid of role-playing games. Yes, yes, that makes perfect sense. <laughs> get rid of role-playing games so we can raise that suicide rate amongst right. role-playing games. Right, exactly. Gamers. So we can get that nerd suicide rate back up to 500 a year. Yeah, well, we should really look up the statistics on LARP suicides. Well, I'd like to encourage LARP suicides. <laughs> <laughs> wow, I think I Charlie about? just instituted genocide against LARPs. Uh, how, do I, how do I go about declaring a fatwa against LARPers? I'm pretty sure you just did. All of our four <laughs> listeners are now on a crusade to kill LARPers. Joshua, go forth, and uh, your promised land is wherever these LARPers are. <laughs> Take them kill men, and women, kill and children all of LARPers. Them, except for the virgin women and, and the those. small children <laughs> and the animals. <laughs> all right. Um, we are. Uh, Wait, was that an oxymoron? Because wouldn't all LARP women be virgins? Oh. oh. <laughs> ah. <laughs> Uh, we don't know what we're going to do next week. <laughs> <laughs> so we're, we're kind of flabbergasted. Um, we, 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 in the, in the near future, we're going to get back to Mormonism for, for a little while. We're going to do, uh, oh, maybe we'll do Christian urban legends. Ooh, we'll do I some like urban that. legends and like we'll do some that. research into it and, and we'll do that next week. Now, Charlie says in a little while, we will be getting away from Mormonism. No, However, from our Mormonism. guest speaker this month is a Mormon expert. All right, we'll see you next week. Christian Urban Legends. Bye.